When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those co-hosts shouting It's Dana and Jay All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growl and Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you. We are nearly there, although Monday feels very far away. Uh, kind of preview show, one of two, a little mm-hmm. bit. The last non-live preview show is Bengals-Bills, 8.30 p.m. Monday night on the horizon, Jay. Yeah, it's it. It feels like it's coming fast, but at the same time, it feels like it's still way far away. My my wife was actually asking me what my my plans were today, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to be down at the stadium till seven or eight, like most Thursdays." And she's like, "It's Friday." I was like, "No, it's it's Thursday." Yeah, <laughs> it's so um, it's it's uh, it feels like it's been a long week already, and here we are sitting on Friday, and there's still. A lot more to go through before we get to this game. A lot more to go through. Uh, Hope to see some of you that are here locally on Sunday. Very excited about that at 50 West. Man, the weather is clearing up for us. Looks like it's going to be in the mid-50s. No rain. Uh, We may be able to just hang out outside in the big courtyard like we did before the Thursday Thursday game before the opener. Uh, The beer will be flowing. The ice skating rink will still be open. The ice is still going to stay strong. Uh, there's just so much going on. It's going to be really great. Uh, Tyler Dunn from Go Long TD, his subscribers, a lot of those folks are going to show up to our joint show with him, myself, Jay, Tyler Dunn, 12.30 p.m., 50 West, at the at the, the the spot with the sand volleyball, the compound on the other side there. They're at their original spot is actually doing a grand reopening. It's starting to reopen now, but don't go there. Go to the spot with all the sand volleyball courts. Can't miss it. We'll be over there. Really looking forward to it. 12.30, we start the show. Go on for probably about an hour talking all things Bengals. Then we'll be hanging out, having some beers, watching uh, the NFL games in the 1 o'clock window. Uh, hope to see you there. Um, the walkout after the game, uh, Robert Mays uh, from the the. Athletic football show will be joining us. Uh, so make sure you come check out that. That'll be waiting for you Tuesday morning. And also recommend uh, the preview show, the week 17 preview show on the athletic football show is up. First 25 minutes, Bengals, Bills, Nate Tyson, Robert diving really deep into it. Great stuff there, as always. A lot of great X's and O's. So some of the similar stuff that we're going to cover here. Uh, but but if you want to go, make sure. I hope you're subscribed to that on our feed. If not, uh, go check that out. Um, let's dive into some news before we get into everything. Joe Buck is going to be on this show. Um, going to be great to have him on talking some very interesting things to say, and I thought it really uh, has a really interesting take on something Troy Aikman told him about Joe Burrow uh, and Joe Bascalia, who covers the Bills 
uh, for us in Buffalo. Going to get into all the X's and O's as we dive into all that fun stuff uh, for this weekend. All right, News Jay, I want to start here. I think we, we gloss over this because we've talked about it so much. It, we need to recap what's at stake Monday. Just to just to reset, okay? Hard reset. Chiefs and Bills currently tied atop the AFC battling for the number one seed. The Bills with a win, uh, they have the tiebreaker on Kansas City. The Bills go win-win. They would be the number one seed. They have everything to play for there. The Bengals' chase of the number one seed has to involve them winning on Monday Night Football against the Bills. That would give them the tiebreaker and the same record against them. And then needing the Chiefs to lose one of their last two games, which is against the Broncos this weekend or in Week 18 against the Raiders. The AFC North is still very much up for grabs. Baltimore uh, is playing the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. Um, they The Bengals, with a win... And a Baltimore loss to the Steelers would win the AFC North. Uh, and that would lock them into a first-round home game. But there's still a possibility uh, they could end up the five seed. And having to go on the road uh, throughout throughout the playoffs, well, potentially throughout the playoffs. So all of that stands out there uh, to decide where. And also, I will say this, if Baltimore beats Pittsburgh uh, on Sunday Night Football... I think we'll know before Monday Night Football even comes that that they're probably I think Bengals Ravens gets flexed. All signs point to that. Just yeah. because just because you know the Bengals have been such a huge draw at this point. The fact that the division is still up for grabs. I don't think Jay, you've talked about this uh Tennessee Jacksonville I don't know how many eyeballs are really interested in the bad AFC South winner even though it is a win and in feels like Bengals-Ravens end up in primetime, so Bengals could end the season with primetime, primetime, back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, they both would because the Ravens would go Sunday night, Sunday night. I I don't know, has that ever happened? Has a team played primetime and back-to-back? I think – Oh, I'm sure it's happened. It probably has, but uh, to end the season, um, I don't know. But – I'm, I'm with you. I just I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of interest. They love the the win and in losing out aspect of that final game, but it's just I mean Jags Titans isn't going to get anyone excited, and um, it I, I wonder when they'll announce it because it'll will they wait till Monday morning or soon as that game's over, soon as Ravens Steelers is over, do they say uh, next Sunday night Bengals Ravens? Um, kind of rooting for that not to be the case, but it's it's starting to to look like that will be the case. Although if the Steelers win, that will complicate things because the Bengals could clinch and then there really wouldn't be that much on the line. Uh and and they would definitely wait until after Bengals Bills to see how that played out to make that decision. Yeah. So a lot of lot of cards to fall there. Here's the question though. Bengals chase for the number one seed. We talked about how valuable that is. The two seed value, of course, also going up as the seven looks like it's going to be uh, somebody with a lot of problems making the playoffs. <laughs> um, and so you, you you like that. And then to get a potential divisional game against maybe the Bills um, in your place again. The one seed hanging out there, more likely to happen, Jay, 
the Dead Cat Bounce Broncos beat the Chiefs, or the Jarrett Stidham-led Raiders with Derek Carr now benched can beat the Chiefs in Week 18. What? Which one's more likely? Um, I think I would go with the Raiders just because that game is in Vegas and it's week 18. It's everything's on the line for the chiefs. You, you know, just the natural pressure of the situation. You could see them getting a little tense, but then again, Andy Reid and the chiefs have just owned the Raiders ever since Andy Reid got to Kansas city. The Bengals have as many wins against Andy Reid as the Raiders do. And the Raiders have played them 20 sometimes. Um, I, I'm I'm anxious to see. I, I think this could be a, a sneaky good game with the dead cat bounce with the Broncos, but that's that's asking a lot for that team to go into Arrowhead and and win um, on on Sunday. I, I think I would lean toward the the more likely upset being the Raiders. I mean, the Broncos have lost 13 in a row to the Chiefs. No, <laughs> they're like nine, three and nineteen against them under Andy Reid. It's crazy. yeah, the Bron- I mean the Broncos can't they 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 can't do it. Here's the thing though, between those two teams, one has something to hang their hat on. The Broncos at least have a good defense, mm-hmm. right? Like at least they have that. I the Raiders will be. They're all ready. The Derek Carr thing has sent half the locker room home. Devontae Adams, like, whatever. I mean, that I just think they're going to be so torn apart on being quit on by their uh, organization that that is going to be a debacle. I think the Broncos, dead cat bounce, free Russ shows up. And the Broncos defense could win them a game is I think is the is the best hope in my in my opinion, uh, but no, we're not going to dive too far into that. There's plenty of Bengals Bills stuff to get to. Um, let's go into you know we we talked about the right tackle situation filling in for Lel Collins last week, and we said look, there are no guarantees on Akeem Adeniji sticking around. Um, they love Isaiah Prince. Um, they're happy to pull the trigger on bringing him in whenever. Um, well, it looks like they may have quickly pulled the trigger on bringing him in whenever because it appears that he's going to be the guy starting at right tackle over Akeem Adeniji now. Uh, they, they're staying very coy and trying to stay under the radar, but Joe Burrow accidentally let it slip when uh, he was asked about filling in at right tackle, and he pointed out, you know, Zay's been with us for a while, and everyone, you could see everyone's brain do it, the hamster wheels. Zay, <laughs> Zay, Zay. Why would he call Adeniji Zay? Oh, Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah Prince looks like he probably will be the one to take over at right tackle. Isaiah Prince played all of the Super Bowl run last year. Uh, the four game, we, we recapped this on Tuesday, so I don't want to go too far into it. But again, you know, thought they could lean that way, you know, and it could be a half where they would pull the trigger or a game of apparently they feel like they saw enough out of Akeem Adeniji last week uh, to make the move to Isaiah Prince. Pierce, he's going to be the guy. Maybe, maybe it'll be a mix. But it does seem like for now, Prince seems like he's where they're going. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it on Tuesday's pod. It, Prince is a couple inches taller, and he's got longer arms, and he's going to be mostly going against Greg Rousseau, who's a six foot seven defensive end. And um, maybe it is just strictly matchup based, where you want length on length. But um, I, I wouldn't rule out a swap there. Where we've seen him do that before in big games, but. The conspiracy theorist in me was wondering if if that was an intentional slip by Joe, no. but uh, everybody's uh, 
saw his facial reaction where he, he, he felt like maybe he let something slip that he should not have. Um, so it does, it does all signs point to Isaiah Prince starting on, on Monday night. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see, um, you know, how that plays out. I don't know. I, I don't know that I like this move. Um, I feel like the guy that has been in there in practice all year that has been playing, that hasn't been a dude on the practice squad, getting scout team reps. I mean, Adeniji, for as much as we want to talk about, I mean, at least he's been in there every week as part of the extra offensive lineman package. He has come in in spots when he's been called upon to play left tackle, to play right tackle. He played all the last game. He's been taking all these Wednesdays all year to all of a sudden just throw Isaiah Prince in there, who's never really worked next to Alex Kappa. It, it just it seems like an odd move, and you wonder if we'll hear about communication errors uh, after the game on Monday if things go wrong in in protection. I mean, he hasn't taken a snap. Yeah. Offensive snap, special team snap. I mean, his last snap was in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a risky decision for sure. Uh, we'll, so uh, all eyes on that, obviously. Uh, Hayden Hurst, 100% going to be all the way back. Uh, it is full go, green lit from everywhere that needs to light the green uh, on him. So Hayden Hurst will return uh, from his injury. Speaking of injuries, Sam Hubbard trying to work his way back. He returned in a limited capacity uh, on Thursday from his calf injury. I still don't know that I buy that he'll be back on Monday, but obviously he's trying to give it a go by being a participant in practice and shows that he's closer. I still think that Ravens game ends up being the one where we see Sam Hubbard return, but um, I think you got to look long-term view on Sam, but We'll, we'll maybe maybe he feels like it's healing better and he's willing to go try it. I would be too worried about a reaggravation suddenly taking him out of a playoff game. To me, a sure Sam Hubbard is your defensive end in the playoffs is number one priority. Yeah, it is. I, I wonder because you you always hear them when they de- describe the injuries they downplayed a little bit. And Zach said he just felt it tighten up a little bit. He jumped on back to back plays in that Tampa Bay game and felt some tightness. I, I thought it was interesting that. Not only was he back at practice yesterday, but at least in the portion open to the media that he didn't do any rehab work. He was with the D line. It was as if it was a a, a normal uh, week for him. So um, it it does. The, the question more so, like you said, is are you risking long term as opposed to just could he go? I think yes, he he could go on on Monday night, but you have to look long term. There's there's way more at play here. And Cam Samples played really well. And we've seen them do this before too, where Jamar Chase probably could have gone after three games out, but they went ahead and held him one more. And Hayden Hurst probably could have gone last week, but it was a little it was a lot cold. Uh they decided to hold him out one more game. It just this would seem to kind of fly in the face of the way they typically go about these things. Um, and maybe it's just gamesmanship to get him back out there at practice and have the Bills thinking that maybe he's back. The Hurst parallel certainly applies. I mean, Chase kind of yeah. held himself out with the hip. But mm-hmm. the, the calf, I mean, you're literally talking about the same situation, same injury, same I probably could go, but do you really want to go do it uh, and, and jeopardize the re-aggravation? So, again, that's where I think that leans. But it is still good to see Hubbard back trying trying to get back in for this week. No surprise. He's trying to make that happen. Mm. Uh, fans of nostalgia, SWAT team rulers of this jungle this <laughs> week, uh, Solomon Wilcots, David Fulcher, Eric Thomas, 
Um, of course, Louis Billups, the fourth of those. He passed away back in the early 90s. Uh, but the three of them are going to be rulers of the jungle. Um, more on them in the 88 team uh, coming on The Athletic. Highly recommend you keep yeah. eyes on that. Really excited for what you guys are going to uh, see. Look for that on Monday morning. Uh, great stuff coming out there. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Money Night is just going to be, I think I heard it called mayhem in a couple of different places. I think that's the proper word of expectations for what the atmosphere is going to be like at Paycor. Um, it should be absolutely electric. Yeah, I mean, it's a holiday. People are going to have all day off oh. to get themselves primed up for that game. And uh, even if it wasn't the case, even if it was a regular work day, this uh, people might be taking the day off. They might be taking vacation days. This is, I mean, you can already feel the buzz. You know, we we have friends and family that are that are fans and that's all anybody can talk about is this game and they've got all weekend to keep it building and keep anticipating and it is it's it's going to feel like a playoff atmosphere it's going to it's going to feel I, I think maybe the the most electric that a that paycor has ever felt uh, for a regular season game yeah, well, I, th- I think it's going to feel like those that Raiders game. I mean, it yeah. feels like the, the largeness of it feels on par. I mean, there's not going to be a finality, but it's just it's going to feel on par with what you saw in the wild card round last year. I, I just, you know, Jamar Chase, no matter who you talk to, no one was downplaying the enormity of this mm-hmm. game and, and, and embracing the stage this is about to be. And Jamar Chase said, this is what the NFL is for. The best of the best to play. Give the fans what they want and put on a show for the whole world to see. You know, that was kind of repeated across the locker room of a team loving this stage, loving the opportunity. You know, look, we've mm. talked about the disrespect card that they have happily played around here every week. Uh, whenever they had the chance, they're the walking, talking Michael Jordan. I took that personal meme like every week. You know, they feel like they should be the team. We the big dogs, right? Like that <laughs> Joe Burrow yelling that after the game and and the Reed, Justin Reed thing and and the, the, the fairly tough and everything that has gone on. This feels like the ultimate of now people see. Now people learn. As far as the attitude that that you're hearing and feeling in the locker room now is these is everybody really embracing and they're gonna see now. There's no running. There's no talking. There's no disrespecting that can happen with this. It's them in their house on the biggest stage with so much on the line and the Bills coming to town. They seem like a team very prepared to try to rise up to the moment and with a history of doing just that. And, you know, the, the Bills, as good as they are, we, we've seen they've struggled to, to get over that hump and, and win these these really big games and more so in the playoffs. But as you said, this is going to have a playoff feel to it. 
as far as the disrespect, I don't know how much they pay attention to these things. I'm sure they've been made aware, but you know, they're underdogs at home. And what do they have? Some ridiculous 21 and three against the spread in their last 24 games. 20 it's and just three, yeah. mm-hmm. 23. And here they are on a seven game winning streak. One of the hottest teams in the, yes, the bills have won six in a row, but they're underdogs at home. And it's just anything they can find to motivate them. They will find. Uh, I, I'm going to guess that that spread is uh, written on a whiteboard somewhere. <laughs> um, Okay, I want to bring in Joe Buck, uh, calling the game for ESPN, a Monday Night Football legend. Uh, Very cool to get a chance to chat with him and a little bit to talk about the enormity of this game, some of the matchup stuff that they're looking for to focus on for the broadcast, and just, you know, kind of his view of Cincinnati and kind of a broader view of of what Monday will be and will mean in one of the biggest Monday night football games in decades, really. I mean, it's up there. You just you just don't see mm-hmm. teams with winning streaks, teams with <laughs> double-digit wins, teams with all this on the line going against each other. For them to get it on Monday night football, he, he says, you know, they, they've been looking forward to this all year. So uh, here is my conversation uh, with ESPN's Joe Buck. Thank you for uh, coming in and joining the show. I want I want to start with this. I sort of watched last week and I was sort of joking that it felt like it was almost like a 3-hour promo for Bengals Bills last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I, I there were like 10 more times I wanted to start talking about next week instead of doing the game we were doing and that that's not to denigrate the the game we were doing and and everybody cares, you know, people care about every game. So I'm not saying that, but there's just been so there will be even more hype by the time we get to Monday night. Uh, and it's been a game that all of us have circled at ESPN. Troy and I have circled it since the schedule came out. Like, wouldn't it be something if this game was really for what's exactly at stake? And here we are. So it's it's just exciting. And uh, I can't wait to get to Cincinnati. Uh, is, is, is there when you guys go into planning meetings uh, for this particular game and and knowing, you know, how good these two teams have been, both are on these winning streaks. Are there have there been particular matchups that you've been most interested in highlighting that maybe would be a little bit more off the radar than the obvious of like, hey, watch the Burrow guy? You're, yeah, we, we've got Burrow covered. We're going to have cameras on Chase uh, and Boyd and Higgins and probably one on Hurst and Mixon. Um, but I, I think the one thing you can't fall into the trap of doing, and, and I don't know if I learned this more in baseball or if I've learned it over the years in football, is going in just loaded for bear, looking at things that may never materialize and and just try to cram the game and the broadcast into your pre-production work instead of just going in there prepared, having done all your reading, knowing who's good, knowing who's struggling, and just watching the game unfold. I, I think I think there's a balance in there. And, you know, obviously we're going to be looking at those three great receivers against the secondary that's had guys in and out for Buffalo. We'll look at Adenogy getting the start at right tackle and, and how Buffalo is trying to gang up on that side of the offensive line. We'll look at, you know, what Josh Allen does with his legs as much as he does with his arm and, you know, Stefan Diggs and all that stuff. But I think you have to just let the game unfold a little bit and kind of kind of see where it takes you instead of trying to force it uh, because, 
you know, nobody's seen this game yet, and, and we don't know how it's going to play out. And so that's what we have to react to, I think, more than trying to more than trying to overdo it. You know? Yeah. When when you look at this Bengals team, what what has jumped off and impressed you the most about them that maybe you didn't necessarily see coming? Well, certainly back the last time you saw them on Halloween, uh, about how they've ripped these these seven games off. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Burrow's just gotten better and better and better. And when you think about how the season started for him, it's an old story in Cincinnati by now. I'm not sure that nationally people are, are aware of how his season started and, and that overtime loss at home against Pittsburgh. And it's like, what the hell is going on here? These are the AFC champions. And then they lose the next week at Dallas and they get a win at the Jets. And, and it was still kind of and starts and fits. And we, we had that game that was in Cleveland on Halloween and it just didn't look right. Jamar chase was not in that ball game. Right. I don't believe he played in that game. No, uh, that was right when he hurt his hip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it was, it just didn't look right. And, and now, you know, you're seeing this team's confidence just go through the roof. And, and that's something that Joe's never lacked. And that's what he's, I think loved for is, is kind of that, that demeanor that he brings. I said the other day, you know, uh, we were we were off air, so I don't think he'll mind me saying this. But I, I was talking to Troy about these all these young quarterbacks. Didn't bring up Allen, but I said, who would you take? You know, if you had Joe Burrow, if you had uh, Justin Herbert, because we were covering Herbert against the Colts. And he said, I, there's just something about Burrow that's different than everybody else. And and I see that too. I mean, I, I see it not as an ex-quarterback. I just see it as a fan of sports, a guy who's who doesn't blink. And uh, he leads them. He's tough. Uh, he's, he's, he's everything you want. And you start looking around this league at organizations like Denver, uh, the Jets, you know, that, that's been going on there for a long time. But there are others now on this list of like, who are we going to get to lead this franchise? And we've got these two guys going at it in this game on Monday night that other teams would just give a king's ransom for. So it's you got to appreciate it while they're there. Um, and and I know we certainly appreciate at ESPN getting a chance to do these guys going at it on Monday night. From from your perspective, you guys are very attuned to perception and images of teams and and what will what will connect and draw audiences. Do you view now that the image of the old Bengals is completely dead, that that is not even a thing that exists in most people's mind anymore because of the way they have flipped it over the last couple of years. Totally. Um, And and it's hard when you're in the city and, you know, I I get it. And I live in St. Louis. And so it was always that way with the blues at at a much smaller scale, you know, we're getting into the postseason uh, and just coming up short, no matter how much talent, no matter if they were better than the team they were playing against. It's like, geez, same old blues, same old blues. And it was same old Bengals. And yeah, I feel like that's gone. You know, this stuff changes in a hurry now. And you, I mean, I've mentioned the Jets. Zach Wilson goes from the number two overall pick to like gone. So I, I you know, not even active. So this stuff happens fast. And uh, so it, it's been three years. I know the first year was cut short by injury, but it's been three really fun years of watching Joe Burrow come in and build on everything he did at LSU and prove that uh, he was more than a one-year wonder in college. And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a great pro for a long time. As long as he stays healthy, uh, th- this is not that same old Bengal stuff. This is watch out. Here come the Bengals. And that's, 
That's great. And the Bills can say the same thing. I mean, it's the same story with Buffalo, you know, with all the there's four Super Bowls and they never won one. And, uh, you know, all, all the talent that they've had come through there and then some dismal years with really no talent or not a lot to speak of. And now Josh Allen comes in and they hit on that. And they've built a hell of a team around them. So it's two very similar teams in that regard, uh, you know, that, that have kind of changed the narrative of how the, the national viewing audience perceives them. Well, it's, it's certainly going to be a fun one. I know you guys have, like you said, looked forward to it and had it circled on the schedule uh, for a long time. Does it, do, you get the, do you get the big game feel? I mean, you've called every big game possible. I don't know if you still get big game feel or jitters or intensity, whatever it is for you from your side. Do you, do you get that for something like this? Totally. I was driving to, I get my boards done every every week at Kinko's and I was driving there. I, I, I got this thing done so early and I got all my numbers in there yesterday. It's like, hey, slow down there, big boy. You got, you got time to kill. Uh, so I was driving there and I was thinking of it and I got that rush of excitement, not nerves, but excitement. Like, I can't wait to to be there and, and witness it. And, and you just hope, I mean, my God, history is littered with hype games that don't live up to the hype, but you just hope that you get a good game. And and that's the beauty of doing what I do, always being accused of rooting for for and against every team. <laughs> uh, when you show up and you don't have any rooting interest, you just want to see a great game. And I, I think that's that's obviously what we're pointed toward. And hopefully this, this game on Monday night lives up to the hype because if it does, it's going to be a hell of a night. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you and uh, Troy in the building. I appreciate you taking some time out to uh, chat with us and uh, have, a, have a safe trip in and everything. And we'll, uh, I guess we'll see you on Monday. Yeah, outstanding. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. All right. Great to uh, catch up with Joe Buck. He'll be on the call with Troy Aikman, of course, on Monday Night Football on ESPN on Monday night. Um, one takeaway for me, Jay, from this, I, I thought him – Talking about what Troy Aikman said about Joe Burrow was something, you know, about of all of them. Troy said he, he he would take Burrow. There's just something about Burrow that of all these young quarterbacks, of all these guys in the league, something about him that that, that he would take Burrow. I thought that was a really interesting comment from from Joe Buck, and, and amongst also you know the stuff about. The, the old Bengals being dead and gone and how fast things have turned and the, just the, the excitement and atmosphere uh, around this team. But, yeah, it's all because of people like Troy Aikman saying, I'd take Burrow. Yeah, and, I mean, that that has to mean a lot to Joe. I, he, he, he would never say it, but it, it's one thing for people to sit there and, and say rank the quarterbacks and put Burrow first and, and talk about the intangibles that you can't really define. But for a quarterback of – a Hall of Fame quarterback that won all those Super Bowls that that knows exactly what goes into playing the position, and for that guy to say, "Yeah, Joe Burrow would be my choice out of all these guys," that that is that's that that carries a lot of weight. Yeah, no, uh, going to be fun uh, to hear Troy on the call. Always great analysis. Um, let's 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 move here. Let's get into more of the dynamics of this game now, Jay. Um, we both wrote in different ways about the Bengals' defense this week. You have a story up on uh, coming up on Monday on 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 Eli Apple, mm-hmm. and I've spent a lot of time kind of diving into that into him. He has a fascinating uh, story. 
not just over the years, but this year in particular, has been a wild one. And now a lot of focus on him uh, with undoubtedly Josh Allen looking to go after whoever he can go after. But uh, Eli Apple is going to be uh, prominent. You know, he's got to go out there and be a number one guy. This is a fascinating matchup because Josh Allen is so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen Luana Rumo concoct plans that have slowed Patrick Mahomes, you know, drop eight, bring three, and then bluff, you know, bluff a cover zero into the drop eight, then bring the pressure and keep them off balance that way. How Luana Rumo decides to try to contain Josh Allen who is so good out of structure, outside of the pocket, um, is really going to be a fascinating chess match to figure out what they have in store for each other. I have a story diving into a bunch of different nuances of that that's up now on the site. By the way, we have our best deal of the year going on. Uh, you got to get in there before uh, for the new year flips, $1 a month for the next 12 months. Quick plug. But you, you can – there's just so many different directions this can go. It's going to be really interesting to see how Luana Rumo approaches trying to stop what Josh Allen does well. Yeah, and you, you have it in your story. Uh, we've heard the players talk about this mad scientist label that he's been given. And w- what do scientists do? They experiment. And I, I kind of think that's what we might see. I don't know that there's going to be a we're going to do this. I, I think they're going to try a lot of different things and, and see what works. And then maybe in the second half, see them pick up on whichever one is working the best. But I, Lou doesn't like to blitz a lot, but I think it's interesting. The, the, the last two years, the two games that he has blitzed the most over 50% in both games was week five against Lamar and the mm-hmm. Ravens. And the week eight game against the the Brown or not the week the, the the game the Browns game against Deshaun and it's like those guys are different from Josh Allen because he's so much bigger and so much of a tougher runner but they are threats to take off and run and those are I just it wouldn't surprise me to to see Lou go the opposite way of what he's done with Patrick Mahomes with dropping eight and, and bringing more pressure against Josh Allen and kind of forcing him he likes to. I don't want to say he doesn't like to, but he he tends to put the ball in danger with these risky throws, and, and maybe that increases that um, if, if they're bringing the pressure. Um, but then again, you know, you you almost kind of invite what you don't want if you're bringing the pressure that that encourages Allen to get out and run, and that's where he can really hurt you too. Um, I just I think it's really going to be interesting to see, and even if he does, if he even if he throws a lot of blitzes at him or more blitzes than he normally does, I don't think it's going to be that all the time. I, I think he'll mix in some dropping aid, and um, they're they're gonna they're gonna have to find a way to mask CTB too. Because you talked about Eli Apple, but um, one of the things that you'll hear later when I talk to Joe Biscaglia, Biscaglia is they don't care what the matchup is on the other side. I was asking him who I think that they're going to, because the Bengals play sides, who they, who they would put on, on CTB the most. And and he says, it doesn't matter. They're going to be confident with whoever it is. So I interested to see how often it is digs against CTB and how CTB can hold up uh, against an elite receiver like that. All right, let's just take a quick break. 
So this is a really good point uh, that Nate and Robert were talking about on the Athletic NFL show. When you're weighing, will Lou Anarumo lean into the blitz? <clears throat> will he lean more into <clears throat> the Mahomes plan of the drop eight? Was that Josh Allen has gone from one uh, goes from one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of your obviously your EPA per drop back to about to, to Robert May said to Kenny Pickett to 19th uh, <laughs> when blitzed and and teams have used man against the Bills at a high rate too because they're just not as scared of their receiving group after digs the number two and the number three are is where some of the questions live so when Lou Anarumo looks at that. And knows how successful he's been against Blitz. We've seen how often he's done it against the most mobile quarterbacks that they go against. I had listed in my story, you know, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson um, and Marcus Mariota are the only three quarterbacks this year to even run the ball, have more than five rushes against them. Mm -hmm. Lamar, 11 for 58, who they mostly hemmed in, except for the one big one that ended up being one that helped seal that loss in Baltimore. But that's been a strategy. That's been a way that he's gone when the quarterback is more of mobile. He's not afraid to bring pressure. And also, we know how important they know the turnover battle is going to be. Look, Josh Allen's going to get some. He's going to make some insane throws. He's going to have big-time throws. He leads the league in them. He's also going to have turnover-worthy plays, and so many of his turnover-worthy plays come when he is Professor Chaos, right, trying to create, trying to take risks, doing things under pressure. You know, you've seen him make these crazy throws where he's got a guy in his face and just makes a decision, and it ends up being poor. I, I, If I was betting man here, I would bet on Lou. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of that bring-it looks and occasionally he'll drop out of it. Absolutely, because you got to do both to keep him confused and guessing. But I would guess for, far more often than we typically see, Lou will be bringing it instead of pulling out of it. Yeah, and be interesting to see if it's if it's the double A gap stuff or mm-hmm. is it Mike Hilton? That's what he does. He's yeah. so good at blitzing off the edge, and we saw his lack of fear and going against a bigger guy like Derrick Henry and. You know, he's not going to back down from Josh Allen. So it, it will. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how much they blitz and where it comes from, if, if they shoot it up the middle or if they bring those corners off the edge. Yeah, Hilton, Von Bell. Yeah, you know, Von Bell last he, week. Yeah, he's been coming a lot more off the edges too. Uh, so, yeah, I, to me that's going to be, you know, the blitz percentage. Is that is that the, the direction you try to go against Josh Allen? Do they get burnt and have to drop out of it? You know, I, I expect Lou to have all the tricks in his bag, certainly in that one. The other thing is, you know, we haven't we haven't seen a lot of quarterbacks that have run designed run game against the Bengals this year. There hasn't been a ton of that, but when there has been, teams have had some success with it. Uh, no question. I mean, uh, I, I believe they had the Bengals as fourth worst against designed runs this year. Well, Allen hasn't really leaned into that yet. But this does feel like the time of year uh, where the Bills will start opening that bag a little bit more. And I was concerned about the damage that he seems to always try to give himself those extra hits. But, you know, when they've needed things, when they need it, right, in big spots and high leverage moments, they go to Allen and his legs a ton. I pointed out he has the fourth most third down rushes for amongst all quarterbacks this year. It's a high number. Um, 29, and he has the highest conversion percentage uh, running the ball on third downs uh, of any quarterback in the league uh, with a qualifying number. So you're 
they know that can work, but you don't want to do it over the course of the full year. But when you get into week 17, it's Monday Night Football, and you're trying to get that number one seed and make everybody come through Orchard Park. You better believe uh, they're probably going to lean into that a little bit more, and we'll see how the Bengals do handling that. Yeah, and in, in the run game overall, they they really seem like they found something in James mm-hmm. Cook, the rookie, and he's been terrific the last few weeks. It's like they they waited till the end of the year to unveil him. Um, it's interesting. I was looking last week when they played the Patriots. The Patriots were the only team in the league that were ranked in the top ten in total defense, run defense, pass defense, and scoring defense. Flip it this week. The Bills are one of only two teams in the league ranked in the top ten in total offense run offense, pass offense, and scoring offense, the Eagles being the other team. Um, they are they are number seven in rush offense and number seven in pass offense. It, it doesn't get much more balanced than that. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, they're incredibly explosive and uh, one of the lead offensive teams, certainly in the league. We'll see how Eli Apple, Cam Taylor-Britt hold up if they, you know, get beat on a couple of those deep balls. Cam, we've seen getting beat a few times. Uh, it hasn't always hurt them. Uh, but we've seen that happen. And, and, you know, talking to Lou Anarumo yesterday, he's like, look, we're, we're still dealing. It's still, he's a rookie. It's, we've yeah. been saying this all year and Lou keeps repeating it. It's not there. I mean, we're dealing with a rookie out there and there's going to be these mistakes, but he's a competitor. He's a tough SOB as he called him. Mm-hmm. And, and he keeps coming back every time he's got the short, short memory. He's, he's always sticking his nose in there as a tackler and they love the competitiveness that he's playing with. So, they're buying into that, and, and they need to hope that the mistakes don't end up catching up to them. But as a whole, I mean, that's just that's just part of it when you got when you have a rookie out there. Um, all right, let's switch gears to the other side. So you've got this Bengals offense humming as it is, facing uh, you know a quality Bills defense. Certainly, uh, you know you'll find them up at the top of most of your rankings. DVOA top five, but there's holes, right? I mean, there appears to be there, there's concern about how much can their secondary hold up. Mm-hmm. You know, there Tre'Davious White has come back, but they've had moving parts there. He's not quite all the way back to being Tre'Davious White. Um, you know, without Von Miller, they're missing their sort of pass rush closer, their third down, fourth quarter, bring it off the edge guy. Um, they're very good in the red zone. They have great linebackers. You know, to me, you know, this feels like we, we see this where Zach Taylor, we know, not afraid to just lean all the way into Joe Burrow, right? Like, look, we're going to run it to try to keep you honest, but I, I think they're going to find it to be without Lowell Collins and with these really good, talented Bills linebackers. The downhill run game that they've been so efficient with out of the gun, I don't know that that's going to be as reliable as trying to pick apart the matchups you feel like you have on the outside. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't think they're going to completely abandon it because it's going to be one of those games where you're going to want to shrink it a little, shrink it a little, and not give Josh Allen as much chances. But you're right; it's I, it's going to be hard to run on this Bills defense and. I just think that they're going to be focused, like most teams, on Chase and and, and on Higgins. And this could really shape up to be a Tyler Boyd slash Trenton Irwin game. I was looking up to see where 
after Lou's comments on, on Cam Taylor Britt yesterday, I was looking up to see where Cam Taylor Britt ranks uh, since he took over in week eight in terms of being targeted. And he's the 11th most targeted corner in the league. And above him at number eight is Taron Johnson, the Bills slot receiver. And the percentage of catches he gives up on his on his target, 73.9%. It's it's one of the, the highest in the league. And if they're going to do that, if they're going to sell out to stop Chase and Higgins, that they can really, really exploit that part of it by hitting Boyd, hitting Irwin um, over the middle, operating there. Even you getting Hayden Hurst back, letting him operate over the middle of the field. The, the, the Bills linebackers are terrific. We heard Eric Wood talk about them uh, on Tuesday. But I, I think if that's one area where – We've seen that the the Bengals are able to put together these long drives. They don't have to get the explosive plays. They've been doing it all year, and the the Bills' defense is great. It's it's totally everybody talks about the offense and Josh Allen, and I I think it, it the Bills' defense gets overlooked, but there is an area where you can exploit them, and I I think this could be a Tyler Boyd game. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. We've seen some number ones have big days. You know, we talked to I talked to Jamar Chase for a while yesterday, and it was talking about Justin Jefferson. Yeah, and like you know how much he's talked to him. He's close to breaking a bunch of records, and he put up the one ninety three in the absurd. You know, his absurd catch says, I mean, just maybe his best game that he's had against the Bills. And I'm like, and he said, you know, I you usually the time that I will ever you know be in contact with Justin is when I'm just sitting there. If I watch or see something, I'll just call him, right? So I was like, well, you're about to dive. He's like, hey, I'm about to dive into some of the Bills games specifically. I was like, so do you, do you like when you watch Vikings Bills, are you picking up – did you pick up the phone? Like did you pick up Justin and be like, God damn, son. Like how did you do that? <laughs> and, 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 and try to pick his brain about some of this. He said, oh, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. Not totally sure, but like – you know, there is something, too. We've seen some uh, – we've seen a lot of number one receivers go against the Bills and be able to put up some big numbers. Jamar Chase coming off one of his worst games um, with the Bengals are certainly one of his most frustrating. And he said, "I, you know, I don't I, – I just forget about it. You know, I've had talked about, you know, when you have a lot of great games, how you react and you just kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm a bury it guy. I instantly bury it, forget about it. It's over and, and move on. So potential for – a Jamar Chase motivated redemption arc game on Monday Night Football, um, and certainly always been a big stage guy. You could, to me, um, and he knows what Justin Jefferson did against the Bills. You know, to me, I think you could see Jamar Chase being somebody that they try to involve uh, in a big way. Not I, that that's a secret. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they they can put him in the slot as well and try to sure. get that matchup there. And they move him all over the place. And um, I, I, I remember watching that game and, and thinking the same thing. Justin, Je- Justin Jefferson was just lighting up that Bills defense. And that catch may have been the best one. I mean, everybody talks about the Odell Beckham catch. That one, that I think that one topped it. Yeah. Another interesting thing, you know, uh, in – Robert Mays tweeted this out, and they talked about it on the show too. And we talked about a, a ton about how the Bengals solved that cover two problem. I mean, we've been talking about that all year, um, really. And he he would point it out, you know, since week five, Joe Burrow against cover two is second in the league in completion percentage, second in the league in EPA per drop back. 
I mean, it's gone from, oh, you think this is how you're going to stop us? Guess what? You're <laughs> just going to watch me complete 85% of my passes against cover two. It's a thing that's going to be utilized because he's so quick. The checkdowns are so quick. They've found such an advantage. Again, we've been talking about this all year, their, their evolution. It'll be interesting to see with the speed and tenacity of the Bills linebackers, you know, how those how effective those checkdowns will be. I mean, mm-hmm. Burrow's so quick at checking it down, so quick at getting it out in space. Well, great linebackers can eat that plan up. And I, and I think, you know, the Bills, you could see them sitting back in cover two, inviting the checkdowns, which is kind of their MO. And saying, yeah, you'll complete those passes, but it'll you'll only complete them for two yards because our linebackers are going to eat them up and be looking for them. I'm curious to see the chess match there, whereas, you know, in other other times, you know, Burrow's decisiveness and a non-elite linebacker group has been able to allow, you know, those checkdowns. It just seems like there's space upon space and Mixon will get an easy eight or Pirine will get an easy... 10 or whatever it is uh, underneath. Well, what does that look like against the Bills? Yeah, well, I mean, that's when it's going to come down. It's not going to be the easy 8 or the easy 10. They're going to have to break tackles. And um, we've seen Mixon has found a little bit since midseason. He's he's running with more confidence and and more power. And um, can he do that? Can he make that first guy miss? Can he – that the – first pass he caught in the uh, New England game when he just trucked the guy going down the sideline is are you going to see some of that where he can make a guy miss or run over a guy and get the extra yards if it is two three yards every time you're right that's going to be a tough way to live um, if those checkdowns are going to make it second and seven as opposed to second and two uh, inevitably, you're going to see a lot of what you have seen. It's going to be patience. They're not going to be able to do it. But then at a certain point, um, I think you're going to see Burrow trying to exploit those matchups outside the numbers, over the top, like you saw, have seen in recent weeks when he sees the matchup that he wants, mm. you know, like like in New England or against Tennessee with the shorter corners, just throw, letting T go make a play, letting Jamar go make a play. And, and and knowing that that explosiveness is always there in his back pocket if they're going to focus on, you know, trying to run up on the checkdowns. But, again, all part of the chess match. That's a fascinating part of this game. We have so many strengths. I didn't even get into the red zone, right? <laughs> strength on number strength. Number one. You know, the, the Bills with the number one uh, red zone defense. The Bengals, of course, we've <laughs> documented their epic run that they've had in the red zone. It's had some – Bumps of late, mm-hmm. uh, but they're still overall a top five group in the league. I've been so good at, at moving the ball down the field and finishing drives. Uh, so like most things, turnovers, red zone, right? I mean, tell me those two stats after the game, and I'll probably tell you who won. Yeah, I mean, every game, that, that those are those are the big ones. And um, it, it has – Maybe it was you being a jinx again. You you wrote about oh. the red zone and then the streak snapped. Yep. Yeah, it's my fault. Red <laughs> zone, the back shoulder wasn't my fault. I You're right. Go back to the Tuesday show. <laughs> back shoulder, not my fault. But yeah, no, they, they did fail on the back shoulder uh, in Tampa yeah. right after I wrote it. And then I wrote about the streak in the red zone and it was snapped. So yeah. But that was due to end. Yes. And and I guess in this week I, I wrote about uh, what? Luana Rumo doing a good job slowing elite Josh quarterbacks. Yeah. So, sorry. I guess it's all my fault. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's 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 hear the thoughts on things from the Buffalo side of business. 
And for that, Jay, you caught up with our guy on the Bills beat, Joe Bascalia, in Buffalo, frozen over, uh, <laughs> and trying to get his way to Cincinnati here for Monday Night Football. Let's, let's go to the Buffalo side of things. Joe, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really glad to have you. I mean, this is a this is a huge game. Uh, nothing new for the Bills. It's starting to become uh, a little bit of old hat for the Bengals, but still, uh, we, we haven't seen one of these matchups yet. A, a Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Uh, before we get into the X's and O's of the game, I am curious with all the just the the really heart wrenching scenes in in Western New York and uh, the snow and the the struggles everybody had out there. What how are things now? Are the roads back open? Is it is it starting to break a little bit? Yeah, it's starting to break a little bit. So I live pretty close to where the Bills play. And okay. uh, so we in the first storm a few weeks ago got crushed by six feet of snow. This past one was about three to four feet of snow. Um, so that, needless to say, I was not getting out to Chicago last weekend <laughs> for the Bills Bears game. But um, this past storm was horrible. I mean, the the big blizzard that everyone talks about in the area is the blizzard of 77 and um the this storm this blizzard has already surpassed the uh the death toll from that storm back in 77 so uh just a horrible horrible storm that affected so many people it hit right in the heart of the city too and uh if you're unfamiliar with buffalo uh basically it's usually always the South Towns, which is like the the area below the city, which is where the Bills play and a few towns around it that get pelted with snow. The city is usually pretty OK. Most times, same thing with the the, the suburbs above the city. Mm-hmm. But the city just got absolutely pummeled. Um, everyone has had their driving bans lifted as of this point, mm-hmm. except for the city. Uh, because they're just still trying to dig out and and all this other stuff. So yeah, it's it was a uh, some really crushing, heart wrenching stories being being told from this past weekend. And so the facility will be open. They'll have the regular practice Thursday. No issues as far as that goes. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. usually have some sort of availability um, right after a game, but. Uh, this week was different. They just wanted to keep everyone off the roads. And so yeah. now, thankfully, everything is kind of clearing up around Orchard Park, where, where they're from. And uh, and yeah, so all forces go. And it's actually the weather's kind of breaking. It's like the snow's melting a little bit. It's mid 40s, supposed to be hitting the 50s in a couple of days. So so, yeah, all this stuff behind me will be gone pretty soon. Yeah, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Same, it's uh, sunny and 50 degrees in Cincinnati. Far less snow here, but what was here is melting. So uh, I think we're going to have some decent weather for the game, thankfully, on Monday night. Um, I, I, I wanted to get to this Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes deal. There's a, there's a sentiment out there, including a piece in our own publication, that the AFC is about Mahomes and Allen and everybody else is just chasing. Um, do you get the sense that, that the fans in Buffalo see it as a big two, or do you think Burrow and the Bengals are kind of cracking right in there in that upper echelon as far as Bills fans are concerned? Well, I mean, it's for Bills fans, I think it's a little bit of the Bills being the little brother of the Chiefs for <laughs> however many years now. And so it's always been trying to play up to Mahomes and and finally being able to get past Mahomes, which they haven't been able to do over the uh, uh over the last couple of years. So I I do think that they've always kind of kept Joe Burrow on the peripheral, 
Um, yeah. Last year was a, I mean, their their playoff storm through the entire AFC was incredible to watch from afar. But it almost felt like, and I'm sure you experienced this a lot, just, you know, hearing how people thought about the Bengals even heading into this year, that they were even underrated, even though they made yeah. it to the Super Bowl last year. So I think that's what kind of happened with Bills fans. They were just trying to catch up a little bit. But I'll tell you what, the Bengals are absolutely for real. Bills fans should know it within with every single ounce of themselves that this is a three-team race, not a two-team race. And uh, and they better be careful because if they – if they don't uh, come to play on Monday night, then they could not only, you know, forfeit their number one seed and a and a chance at home field advantage in a first round bye. They might have to go to Kansas City again in the yeah. postseason if they win their first round game. Well, it's it's great that you said they need to be careful because that segues right into my next question. I wanted to ask about Josh Allen, and he does seem to to put the ball in danger quite a bit. And I mean, he probably should have had a third pick against the Bears. There was one in the end zone where the DB wasn't even looking. Uh, 29 turnover-worthy plays, lead the league. Um, I just wonder, and I, you know, I haven't watched every play like you have this year, how much of that is, is him trying to make plays happen on third downs and how much of it is just kind of needless, risky decisions on earlier downs? And are the Bills trying to coach that out of him or do they just kind of feel like, that's something we have to deal with. That's part of the DNA that makes him great. I think it's a little of both. I think um, it's a constant seesaw battle for uh, for Josh <laughs> Allen with because he has to he's had to have found that sweet spot between risk aversion and and you know knowing when the optimal time is to take a chance because there are so many moments that are just special where he makes a pass that no quarterback should even think about making but he has the arm and the zip and the thought process and the receivers know what he's thinking usually to try those things like there was one where he was about to get pushed out of bounds um he jumps and like sidearm flings it across his body into uh into the back of the end zone i think it was gabe davis just standing there waiting for it because he knew he saw where the defenders were going he saw davis kind of motion back the other way no other quarterback is throwing that pass outside of maybe mahomes and you know now hurts and uh and you you could even throw burrow in the same mix too although he's a little bit more risk averse than than uh, josh allen for sure but for him I think this season has been challenging because they've seen a lot of too high safety again this year. He's had to try and battle through that without a a really prevalent run game. That's starting to flip a little bit. And so we're seeing him, you know, take what the defense is giving, trying to open up the defense for more down the field shots later in the game uh, and then try and live to fight another day if that intermediate to deep ball isn't there. But now what he's doing, which is what happened against the Bears this past week, Stefan Diggs only had a couple of targets, and so people are tr- trying to freak out, like, okay, what is going on? Why can't he find Stefan Diggs? You know, I think that was mostly a byproduct of the Bills and, and Allen not wanting to force the ball, having a really prevalent running game that day. Uh, but if I were a betting man, uh, and Allen even said as much after the game, where he's like, I got to get that's on me, I got to get him more involved. If I were a betting man, I would say that Diggs is involved early. And often in this Monday night game, regardless of what the defense is showing him. 
you're just setting these up. I've got these questions ready to go, and that leads perfect into the next one. But I do – was it the Thanksgiving Day game? There was a game I remember where Diggs was nowhere to be found, and then fourth quarter and maybe overtime just went nuts. Was Is that the one I'm thinking of? Was that Thanksgiving? I'd, I'd have to go back and check, but that sounds yeah. familiar against the against the Lions, yeah. Because yeah. that was a that was a sneaky close game, and that was before everyone realized the Lions were actually somewhat good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, but once, once those two guys get on the same page – there is not a lot of quarterback wide receiver combos that that tops them in the league right now. Like Diggs is just an unreal route runner still at the age of 29. Um, you know how long he can keep it going. That's that's another conversation for another day. But he is just setting up defenders so well, uh, even against zone. He's finding those sweet spots. Um, and it's just a matter of Allen having the patience to let his route develop and and uh, not forcing the ball into traffic when teams are trying to bracket stuff on digs. Yeah, the, the one thing I wanted to get to with those receivers is, is how you think they'll attack the Bengals because it's interesting. Since the Bengals lost Chidobe Awuzie, they've got a rookie in Cam Taylor-Britt, and they've got a journeyman in Eli Apple who has play, played better, but they've just been playing them on side. So basically the Bills can pick their matchups. And do you think they go ahead and just put Diggs on the rookie most of the time? Or do they say, hey, Diggs can beat anybody? And not that Davis can't, but do they do they go ahead and let Diggs go against Apple and then put the lesser receiver, Davis, on on the outside uh, against Cam Taylor Britt? Uh, I don't think this is out of cockiness from their perspective. Yeah. I just don't think that they care. Um, yeah. <laughs> because they, they line him up a little bit of everywhere. They line him up at the slot uh, sometimes. Um, and that is, uh, that is pretty intriguing in itself because you know, that sets them up for a lot of opportunities, especially since they haven't gotten a lot of production out of yeah. their other slot receivers like Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir, Jamison Crowder when he was still healthy. So uh, to answer your question, I would expect that the Bills just kind of line them up wherever they want to and expect yeah. a lot of attention from uh from the Bengals in terms of you know whether it's shading a safety over that side uh being in zone and bracketing him because they've seen it all before uh Mm -hmm. but if the Bengals do play man-to-man against Stefan Diggs watch out because he's uh he can beat any cover corner man-to-man straight up so going back to what you said earlier about the run game and it did it looked great against Chicago and I just it kind of reminded me when Singletary was a rookie, like they just kind of hit him all year and then brought him along really slow. And they've done the same thing with Cook. Was You get the sense this was a plan to just really kind of unleash this guy later. I know he's been playing, but the, his his workload and production have really gone up here of late. Is, is this part of some grand plan? And the other part of it is the Bengals have been really good against the run mm-hmm. uh, when DJ Reader's been in the game. And uh, now that he's back and the Bengals run defense is good again and if if Mitch Morris, the the Bills Pro Bowl center, can't go and they do struggle to run the ball, do, is it a team that stays committed to it, or do you think they just turn it over to Josh Allen? Oh, they they will not stay committed if it's not working. <laughs> they, <laughs> they will they will throw the ball eighty percent of the time if they need to. Um, McDermott would like it to be a little bit closer than that. The way that he terms it is, they want he wants them to run the ball. Uh, more effectively when they do run it, maybe not in terms of volume. And they've done that. And that was kind of the key to them turning everything around last year too, because they went through this mid-season lull just like they did this year where the running game wasn't really prevalent. 
and they the play action passing was not really all that effective because teams are like, okay, try and fake a handoff. We we know you're passing. Um, so now it's a matter of getting Singletary and Cook more involved, and they've done so to a grand degree. I will say one caveat is the Bears' run defense sucks. <laughs> like they're, they're ter- absolutely terrible. Their front seven gets got pushed around. Like there were offensive linemen for the Bills that have struggled all year that just had incredible games against the Bears. So I I do think there's a little bit of fool's gold there, but um, I do think that that's something that they want to push forward, uh, even if it's continuing to stick with it, just to make the defense pause a little bit when they do go with play action. And the other piece of that is James Cook, who you brought up. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was their master plan um, to bring him along and, you know, have him be a huge piece over the last four games. I think they wanted that from the get-go, but he struggled early on with ball security, had some drops, even though he's a pass catcher. Uh, His first carry in the NFL was a lost fumble. So he had to kind of get through that a little bit. But I'll tell you what, Cook brings them an element to the offense that they were missing last year. Singletary, as good as he is at uh, making people miss in the open field, he's not a speed guy. James Cook can get up the field in a yes. hurry. Devin Singletary is also has also had one of the lowest yards per route run for running backs in the in the league basically every year he's been around. And James Cook is a pass catching magnet where if you get him into some open space, he can make you hurt. So uh, I would anticipate that being kind of a one A one B situation moving forward. And um, you know, I, I, they do love Singletary, but yeah. you know, Cook is just that X factor. Well, here we are 12 or 13 minutes into this, and I'm guilty of what I'm about to ask you about. And nobody ever talks about the Bills defense, and it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe one of the best in the league. Um, Bengal fans saw how much of a game wrecker Von Miller could be in the Super Bowl last year. Um, You know, his he went out right about the same time Tredavious White came back. That was that was beneficial for the Bills. But I'm just. How have you seen them adjust uh, since losing Von Miller? Well, I think they've seen the uh, uptick of Greg Rousseau's production, which has helped a great deal. They needed one of those three young guys they had on the edge to to step forward, whether it was Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, or Boogie Basham. Rousseau has done that and more. I mean, the guy, he's you, you look at him out here, he doesn't look like many defensive ends. Six foot seven, like I'm. Yes, I'm borderline six five, and I look up to the guy. Which <laughs> that not not many humans have me in that perspective. But uh, that uh, he he is huge. He's long. Um, he has been able to win with uh, instant pass rushing victories more often than he did last year. He's a great run defender. So it's and they've allowed him because Von Miller is now out to be able to play on his more natural side, which is the left side, 100% of the time. So that has all kind of worked for them. And then on on the other side, Shaq Lawson, out of nowhere, has stepped up and become their locked-in starter. Not like a a super impactful pass rusher by any means, but consistent. You know what you're getting from him as as an edge-contained guy, and he can make a a few tackles for loss if if the uh, offense isn't careful. So that's how they've kind of gotten by Ed Oliver stepping up in the middle of that defense has been huge for them. He's been one of their top five players in my mind, but I think this whole defense is predicated on the linebackers. 
Uh, Matt Milano is, I think it was, you know, I, with due respect to the players that made it to the Pro Bowl, I think it was kind of a joke that he wasn't one of the starters. Uh, I agree. And a, and, a, and a team, I mean, he has just been a game plan wrecker. Anything that they have asked him to do, um, whether it's blitz the quarterback, he has one of the highest pressure rates in pressure uh win rates in the league mm-hmm. uh from a blitz from a blitz perspective he can cover players in the open field he's a great sideline to sideline tackler they used him to cancel justin fields this past week and wow. fields one wound up 11 uh, 11 yards on seven carries like he was just null and void at that point so milano and tremaine Edmonds, who is just a nightmare for uh for quarterbacks to try and throw over in zone coverage because he's six five super long arms like he looks like a defensive end lining up at middle linebacker. It's just those two guys have been such a humongous key. And whenever one of those guys have not been in the lineup, you could see it um, unfold in front of you where where the defense didn't play as well. So uh, that's how they have gotten by with just a uh, they, they are lacking that that uh, closer of a pass rusher. But they're hoping that the the hole is is greater than just one guy. Yeah, and oh, by the way, Jordan Boyer is pretty good too, yeah, and yeah, uh, sure. and Rousseau was one of those guys. Really caught my eye at the Senior Bowl that year. He was coming out because because of his length, and he was a prototypical. That's what the Bengals always went for these long defensive end guys, and they kind of moved away from that. Um, I, I thought he might have been on their radar, and he's going to be going against Hakeem Adeniji. You know, the Bengals had started the same offensive line all fifteen games. They lose Lael Collins. Uh, to the ACL on Sunday. So this is going to be a big spot. I think this could be uh that could be one of the key matchups in the game, um, which gets me to my next question. I'm just curious for you. I know you haven't really dove into the film yet, but uh, what, what, what matchup in this game intrigues you the most? Well, above all else, I think it is um, how Tredavious White is going to perform mm-hmm. against either Jamar Chase or T Higgins. So White has, he's been about, back into the the full swing of things for the last three games, I believe. And it's been hit or miss. I mean, there have been some pass breakups, a lot of holding in in the secondary that has gone uncalled. Sometimes he, he gets dinged for it, but, you know, he's also allowed some catches. He just hasn't looked like the same guy just yet. He's still trying to ramp up, get the rust off, everything like that. But what they still do, even though he's trying to get the rust off because their cornerback depth chart is not great, the second cornerback spot has been a constant, you know, merry-go-round of who's going to be on the field at what time. And what they did against Miami, which I found interesting, is they didn't have Tredavious White shadow Tyree Kill like you would imagine. They had him shadow Jalen Waddle for most of the game. Hmm. And then they had um, whoever was their second cornerback with some help on the outside from a safety, you know, try and contain Tyreek Hill from that perspective. So I do wonder whether or not they're going to stick Tredavious White with T Higgins, or if they just have him go, okay, go, go get Jamar Chase and, and go from there. So I do know that Tredavious White, I think the last time they were in Cincinnati, was it 2017? And, um, yeah, yeah, and AJ Green just absolutely crushed Tredavious White on a deep pass, um, mm. and I think that it was his rookie year, and I think that kind of stuck with him for a little bit of time to try and come back from that. So I do think going back to Cincinnati, he'll have a little bit of extra motivation to shut down another big receiver for for the Cincinnati Bengals. But will his knee let him? That's the big question for me. Yeah. 
And last time these teams played in week three, I think it was 2019, Tredavious White had the game ceiling interception yep. uh, in that game. I do remember that well. Uh, last one for you here. Just to, do you have a, a prediction of any sort Monday night? Uh, not terribly just yet. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I hate this about myself that I have to <laughs> like watch uh, at least a few games of the Bengals before I before I go into it. But, you know, if I, uh, you know, if the Bills were to win, I think they need like I was talking about, they need a, a big game from Tredavious White mm-hmm. to help to help bail them out just a little bit. Um, I think they need someone other than Stefan Diggs to step up too. Uh, whether it's Dawson Knox, James Cook, Devin Singletary or Gabe Davis or Isaiah McKenzie, like there has been so much inconsistency there that that's going to be a key for them to have this sustained offensive push. But if the Bengals were to win, I think there's a chance for them, especially since it seems like they're getting healthy uh, along the defensive line. They can without if they if the Bills were without Mitch Morse, um, that interior offensive line matchup is a little bit uh, daunting, I think, from a Bills perspective to where the Bengals could have some success against guys like Greg Van Roten, Roger Saffold. Uh, Ryan Bates has been good this year, but a little bit worse when he shifted over to center whenever Morse has missed. So I think um, that is a, a key area that I'll be kind of keeping an eye on uh, about whether or not because if if they can get to Allen, because if they do, that gives him less time to try and find digs and it might make for a little bit less of an offensive explosion. But no matter what. I, I like probably you and everyone else in the world. I'm expecting a a huge, you know, offense versus offense sort of game, and and yeah. you know, I, I can't I can't wait to see it unfold. Yeah, a lot of times you say first one to thirty wins. I don't think that's the case this time. <laughs> I, I think they're both going to top thirty, and it's going to come down to who has it last. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, just like this was a lot of fun. I really do taking appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us today, um, and look forward to catching up with you in the press box Monday night. Sounds great, Jay. Thanks for having me. All right, Jay, uh, take away from your convo with Joe. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how he he talked about the Josh Allen actually coming out and saying that he needs to get Diggs involved more often earlier. You hear that from time to time or all the time when quarterbacks say, I'm just, we're just going to take what the defense gives us. And, and it, there was a lot of questions last week about why Diggs wasn't as involved as much. And um, I, 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 I went back and after talking to him and it was that Thanksgiving day game when Diggs had three catches for 12 yards midway through the fourth quarter. And then he, it was just all the dig show after that. He finished with eight for 77 and a touchdown. Um, there have been games like that where he's been slow to get going. And last week was one as well. And for, for Josh Allen just to come out and say, yeah, we're, we're I need to do a better job of getting him involved early. Um, it kind of goes back to what I talked about earlier, where if, is it going to be, they're just going to put digs on CTB and say, let's go after him right away. Let's get Stefan Diggs involved early and get this thing rolling um, I, I just I thought that was interesting because you do you hear Burrow say it all the time. You hear quarterbacks say it all the time. Just take what the defense gives you. And, and they're, the Bills are kind of taking a little different approach this week where they're, they're going to be focused on getting digs rolling. Yeah. And I would I would expect Luana Rumo to be aware, shading yeah. Jesse Bates, keeping mm-hmm. keeping a close eye on the dig side, not as scared uh, of you. Maybe should be of Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie um, aspect of things. All right. Let's uh let's 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 get the the segments rolling here, Jay. Let's start with Arby's. Uh, what 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 do you got? So, I was in the locker room yesterday, and I see this flash of color go by me, 
And I was like, what the heck? And Joe Burrow was wearing a fuzzy rainbow bucket hat. Mm-hmm. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen a player wear <laughs> in the locker room. And he goes over to his locker and he sits down at his chair and he's got this, I don't know what he was drinking, um, but he had a, a cup with a straw and he's sitting slumped in his chair with this ridiculous fuzzy rainbow bucket hat drinking. He looked like a little kid at an amusement park, just enjoying <laughs> his day. It just, it, it was the antithesis of what you would think a star quarterback would look like. Um, I just, it, it was, it was silly. And I, I think if you're a Bengal fan, you're looking, it's, it's a good sign that it's just this relaxed atmosphere that yes, they know how big this game is, but there's, there's not that tension to it. They're just, it's business as usual for them. And they're just having fun. Um, and, and getting ready for the game. And I don't know if he's going to wear that fuzzy rainbow bucket hat to the post-game press conference. I don't even know what those things cost. I mean, I imagine it's like a $15 Coles type of thing, but who knows? No one <laughs> Joe Burrow. It's probably some $300 designer thing that someone sent him. No, you don't know. I mean, he, he had the mock Cartier shades. They weren't the real Cartiers yeah. that he wore. So perhaps this is the same concept. Uh, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. When when he came out in that fuzzy rainbow hat thing, we were talking to Jamar. And uh, I think Charlie Goldsmith from Inquirer asked something about, like, you know, what's, what, what is Joe like this time of year? You know, do you, do you notice, you know, him in these these moments, big weeks, things like that? And Jamar stopped and he looked o- and he did this like long look over the first time he saw Joe in the hat and just said, look at him. Just like, what, <laughs> look at this guy. You know, it's just ridiculous. And it, it's sort of a, you know, he's just laughing about it like and looked at T and, and T's like, yeah, I know. I've been telling him how, how ridiculous he looks. And, and, but the, and I, I think like all things, Joe Burrow is intentional. Okay. Yeah. Joe Burrow is intentional about what intentional about what he does. I think wearing this goofy hat and wearing silly stuff is a way of being like I'm confident, I'm loose, all y'all need to be confident and loose. I got my hat, like let's go. It's all good. Don't cuz he was flaunting it around the locker room with doing j- nothing really. Like like you said just sitting there walking or doing he wasn't didn't trying to accomplish any tasks after practice. I think it's intentional. I think I'm going to wear my stupid hat, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to that's going to prove be one way to show people how I'm feeling right now. And I think that's something. I'll see I think that's something. Also I had a side note on Arby's had to point out in the Burrow press conference, uh he was asked about giving all his linemen cruises uh for this off season or whatever trip, and you know, are you going on a cruise then, Joe? He said, "No, I'm not a boat guy. You're not a boat guy." He's like, "Yeah, what if something happens? You're just stuck out there." So, you're not a boat guy, and you got all your linemen cruises. <laughs> like it feels, it you know. He said, "Well, I assume they are. You know, the all you can eat aspect of these cruises. I'm sure they're down for it." And Jamar also pointed out he does not want to be a part of linemen parties. He's like, I go to Miami, I go to Vegas. He, what do you think Lyman Party's like? Wow, oh, they simply just sit around and eat the whole time, you know, like this. So, a lot of good, lot of good stuff circulating in a very loose locker room. Uh, certainly, uh, this week you could you could tell. But yeah, Joe Burrow, weird hat, not a boat guy. Someone should tell them there are more than one boat. I mean, if something happens to your boat, they send another <laughs> boat or a helicopter to get you. It's not like you're stuck out there forever. 
I'm with you though. Sometimes I get, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't like feeling totally locked into the boat, but I do need I need my stop. I need my stops if I'm going to be a cruise guy. And I don't, I'm not a cruise guy, but look, we'll we'll move it along. Let's move it along. Okay. Uh, a couple run passer boots mm-hmm. for, uh, for this game. Jay, uh let's let's start with the one we got from our guy Stan. Offered this to us as we were saying we have all week to come up with some run passer boots. Uh, offer this one. Uh, what will be higher on Monday? Josh Allen rushing yards. Evan McPherson long field goal. Combined first downs. Hmm. This one's tough. Um, I I think I'm I'm going to run with combined first downs. I expect this to be a shootout. I expect this to be high scoring. And I expect the Bills to try to make the Bengals, like most teams, earn their way down the field, which is four, five, six first downs on a drive instead of just one or two and then a deep shot. And uh, maybe the, the same with, with the Bengals' defense against the Bills' offense. Um, so I'll I'll do that. Maybe something in the – in the 50-51 range. Not that Evan McPherson can't hit a field goal from that long, but I just I, I think this is going to be more of a touchdown game than a field goal game. Um, so I'll, I'll run with the combined first downs. I'll pass on McPherson's longest field goal. I'll boot Josh Allen's rushing yards. He's averaging 46, per, 40 yard, 46 yards per game. I I don't know that the Bengals are going to completely shut that down, but I think Lou's going to have something to, to limit that to at least below his average. I think Josh Allen, I think they're going to lean into the running game with Josh Allen. I think we're going to see him put up some some decent running numbers. I think that'll be a way that they're able to keep the ball moving consistently. So I, I'm going to run with Josh Allen rushing yards. Uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to pass on combined first downs. I think that'll be a big a pretty big number too. And I'm going to boot McPherson long. I think he. I think there's a very good chance he makes a 50-plusser. This feels like a game where uh, they'll need him to to bang one in from deep. Um, but I, I, I'm a little bit more confident in the other two than the chance that he ends up having to connect from, you know, 50-plus or something like that. So uh, that's that's my run passer boot. And you have a, you have another one, Jay, for people to, uh, to, to process and – think about as they have plenty of time to kill time over <laughs> yeah. the next few days. Um, I like this one cause it, it can go, it's a, it's a time-based one, but if it goes over time, then that, that just increases it. So time elapsed before the final score of the game. So if, if you think the Bengals are going to win the game with a field goal with 30 seconds to go, then that number would be 59 and a half, 59 and a half minutes were elapsed before the final score. The other one is combined rushing yards for Burrow and Allen. Um, I was wrong. Allen averages 49, not 46. Burrow averages 16. You'd be in the 65 range for their average. And then the other one will be longest reception in the game. Time elapsed for final score. Combined rushing yards for Burrow and Allen in the game's longest reception. All right. I am going to run with time elapsed. I think the chance of overtime is is in play. I do think that there will be a late action for sure. Um, I know I said Allen's going to run for a lot, uh, but I I 
the chance of overtime, I don't know. It just feels like this is one that's going to end up in overtime. I don't know why I feel that way. Uh, but so I'm going to I'm going to run with time lapse for final score. I am going to uh, boot the rushing yards, and I'm going to pass on the. I'm sorry. This is very confusing. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to pass on the rushing yards and boot yeah. the game's longest reception. Yeah, I went the same way with time elapsed. I could easily see this going overtime. Even if it doesn't go overtime, it feels like it's going to be somewhere in those final two minutes, maybe the final minute that, that we get the game's final score. doesn't have to be final lead change, just the final score. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll run with time elapsed. Um, I'll pass on the longest reception and, and I'll boot the rushing yards. I, like I said, I just, I think they're going to, they're going to try whether they succeed or not. They're going to try to limit Josh Allen and, and Burrow's only averaging 16 rushing yards per game. So that, that doesn't factor in that much. Although we do see in a lot of these big games, Burrow's legs show up a little bit more, mm, don't they? You're right. Especially on yep. third downs. We've seen that AFC championship game last year. Um, you know, this, this could be one of those, um, where he's he's given that a shot, although we've talked about the speed and tenacity of the Bills linebackers, maybe maybe that won't be the case. But <laughs> always keep an eye out in a big game for Burrow to to lean a little bit more into that. Jay, you've got stats and the best kind of stats, coin flip stats. We do have coin flip stats, and it, they they they've flipped. Uh, remember back in the day when we were talking about this crazy winning streak they were on? Um, they've lost seven of eight coin flips, wow. and. 10 of 12. And oh. when, when they do win, and, and we talked about this earlier in the year, it started in that Jets game. When they do win, they take the ball. The Bengals haven't kicked off to start a game since week two because they're losing all these coin flips and the other team defers, so they start with the ball. And then the three times they have won a coin flip, they've taken the ball. Um, it the Bengals are five and ten on coin flips this year. There's only two teams that are worse. Carolina's three and twelve. Vegas is four and eleven. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I I talked to Joe after our conversation that you guys heard uh, about this. I was interested to see if Sean McDermott. What are, is he an always defer guy? Does this mean the Bengals are going to get the ball first Monday night? And um, I did see there was one game in Week Five when McDermott won the toss, took the ball, and Joe said that was a a crazy weather day where there was this big windstorm about to come in and the Bills wanted to get as many good possessions in before the weather hit. And that's the only reason he took the ball that every other time he's like most coaches win the toss and defer. So I think you're going to see this streak continue where the Bengals start with the ball Monday night. I mean, they're 11 and two starting with yeah. the ball. So with the strategy that might, might just be working, but yeah, Bengals get the ball first, not a tough bet. Uh, not a, not a tough bet. So if you're one of these uh, one of these prop betters, first touchdown or something like that, just remember, really good chance Bengals have the ball first. Uh, okay, you also have one point game. Yeah, stats right. So I mean, the point spreads one point, and I I got to thinking what what's how many one point games are there in the league, and how long what what are the Bengals like in one point games? And so I looked. There's there's been 14 one-point games this year. The NFL record in the Super Bowl era is 19 in 1988. That may not be in play. Uh, second most is is 16, and that happened just a few years ago in 2016 and 1980. So um, they're, they're on a pretty good pace with the number of one-point games. This is predicted to be a one-point game. 
What I really found interesting is the Bengals and Bills are tied for the longest drought without a one-point game. And hmm. they both the reason they're tied for that is because they they're both of their most recent one-point games came on the same exact day. Amazing. It is amazing. Do you remember? Can, can you go through your head? Do you remember the last one-point game the Bengals played? Oh, God, off the top of my head, I don't. What was it? It was in the Zach Taylor era. Oh. It was the kickoff of the Zach Taylor era. Seahawks? The 21-20 loss to the Seahawks mm. uh, in the in 2019 season opener. Um that was a four o'clock game, so technically the Bills have the longest drought because they played a <laughs> one o'clock game that day and they beat the Jets seventeen to sixteen. Every other team in the league has had a one point game since then, and I, I know I'm saying technically one point game because yes, the Bengals had the tie against the Eagles. That's even closer, but actual one point games. These two teams have the longest drought. It's predicted to be a one point game, and you might hear another prediction of it being a one point game in a little bit. Oh, wow. Jay, setting yourself up. A little foreshadowing <laughs> action. Love it. Um, all right. Let's get to our Bengals growler bet this week. Uh, you, of course, can send us your answers on Twitter, hashtag Bengals growler bet, or your email to me. If you want to put growler needs to be somewhere in the subject header, if you use it in an entertaining way, as you heard last week, it can be and will be read uh, on the podcast. Uh, pdaner at theathletic.com with your submissions. So, growler bet this week. We're going with a combo. We not only have ever done one like this before, Jay. This is a first for us. Yeah. Good good creativity. Uh, You need to name the player who catches the final pass in this game with us anticipating it being a close game and some big play at the end. Player who catches the final pass and length of that reception. Either team, whatever you think, player who catches the final pass, length of that reception. Double pronger, got to get them both. We need a player name and a distance. What do you got, Jay? So last week we made it really easy, and we gave you the 20-second buffer. I suggested a buffer. We were in the Christmas giving spirit, and uh, this week Paul said no. His New Year's resolution is no buffers. We're getting tougher on these picks. So (laughs) We're going to give away a lot of beer on Sunday. I think we need to to make it hard. So I'm going to go. This might be a surprise to some people. I'm going to go Hayden Hurst seven yards as the Bengals need one more first down to clinch their win. Um they, uh, he, he finds Hayden Hurst over the middle for a quick seven-yard gain, and I guess I gave away my prediction a little bit there, but that's what I'm going with. Uh, Jamar Chase, 16, hmm. is my answer. Ben Trout. Touchdown? Oh, would be. Yeah, could be. Ben Trout. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Jamar Chase, 16, is my answer. Okay. Uh, all right, again, P. Daner at The Athletic or – Use hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter, and uh, we will go through your submissions. And you can win delicious 50 West beer like we're all going to be enjoying on Sunday for the big event with uh, Tyler Dunn and Go Long TD. Uh, myself, Jay, it is going to be so much fun. Really looking forward to hopefully seeing you guys all out there on New Year's Day, 1230. We will kick off the pod and then hang out through the 1 o'clock window. Uh, all right, Jay. 
It has it has reached that time. You've you've foreshadowed, you've suggested, you've teased. What do you got? I mean, I actually already re- unveiled it. If any of you read the AFC North whip around, it's mm-hmm. in there. I have the same prediction here that I do there. Um, both teams cross 30. This is the highest point total I have predicted for the Bengals all year. I'm going Bengals 32, Bills 31. I just think Josh Allen's propensity for putting the ball in peril uh, will bite him. There, there will be a key turnover late in this game, and the Bengals – run out the clock and walk away with the win and a chance still at the number one overall seed. Okay. Uh, I'm in a similar place. I have, um, I think this, I I think that, you know, you will see, I believe that this defense will take advantage and create a turnover or two from Allen, you know, they, they've got to they've got to hit when those opportunities present themselves. But I, I just think they will. They've had a knack for creating them. They've had a knack for making them in big spots re- during this stretch. And Allen has had a propensity to give it away. I think that combination gives a, the little bit extra advantage that the Bengals would need in a game that is absolutely unequivocally going to come down to the very end. And I, I, in those games, I just think it's advantage Burrow. Big stage, high leverage, the end of games, you just you name it. Whenever it gets to that, he's just as good as anybody there is. And not that Allen isn't great, but I think that lends itself to Joe Burrow. And so I have Bengals 34, Bills 31, overtime. Ooh. I'll go overtime. Predicting overtime. McPherson at the overtime gun. Uh, for the win. That's just going to make our night even later. Yeah. I mean, it, what does it matter at this point? Like <laughs> right. it's, I mean, it's going to be super late. Uh, we'll be there to the wee hours of the morning. Maybe a waffle house stop on the way home is going to be in play because, uh, yeah. uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a late one, but again, we'll have all the content. We'll be waiting for you when you wake up on Tuesday morning. We'll have, uh, all our stories from the locker room, from the game, analysis, podcast with Robert Mays, uh, you name it, we've got it. It's all going to be there for you. And then, of course, this Sunday, 50 West Brewing Company. Hope to see you guys down there. Come on down. We'll be there kicking off the pot at 1230 and, and hanging out. Going to be a great event. Love Tyler Dunn. Uh, love everything they do over at Go Long TD. It's going to be a cool thing. Just anytime we can get out to 50 West on a nice day in the 50s yeah. and enjoy some pops. Uh, I'm all for that. So going to be fun. Really looking forward to it. Maybe some pickleball. I don't know about that. I don't know about any pickleball. (laughs) I think I'll probably stick to just having a couple of pops. Uh, All right. Thanks everybody for listening. I hope to see you on Sunday. Uh, Happy New Year. And uh, enjoy it, everyone. Stay safe.